All righty, guys. This is Jim Collins with another episode of Journey to the Pit. Um, here we are again uh, with another episode. This is a part of our Journey to the Pit marathon that we're running 10 interviews in a row back to back to back. We have a, a great guest tonight, just as always, uh, Mr. Kimo Kiyama. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his name correct, but he's from Shut 'Em Down Game Farms located in Hawaii. Mr. Kiyama will be the first Hawaiian to come to the show. Uh, it's a very anticipated interview. I've gotten a lot of messages making sure that I was going to have him on. So it's going to be an honor. You know, a lot of the guys on the island know him. He's been well-traveled and been in the game fight industry a long time. So he's going to come on tonight to uh, give us an inside look of how the life of a game fire breeder uh, located on the island. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him on in uh, in a second. And uh, we'll go ahead and get this interview started. So I hope everything is good. I hope the sound and everything is good. You know, we've been battling some issues since yesterday, you know, with Facebook shutting down, audio issues. Uh, so it seems like we're ready to rock and roll. We're going to get this second interview uh, up and running and going now. Uh, Mr. Kiyamo, uh, battery is kind of, you know, kind of low. So, yeah, Kid Kayama. Yep, Mr. Kimo Kayama. So we're going to bring him on right now. Um, and his battery's a little bit low, but we will bring him back on for part two. Um, so I hope everything, hope y'all guys enjoy it. And uh, we're going to sit back and listen to him as he kind of takes us on his journey from the time he got into game foul. And then also go into some details about how it is to raise, raise game foul on the island of Hawaii. So let me go ahead and bring our special guest in now. And here he comes. Mr. Kiyama, how are you this evening? Good, good. Good. So the audio and video is good on your end? Yeah, good for now. Yeah. All righty. All righty. So before we get started, I always say a disclaimer. So let me go ahead and say the disclaimer before we get started. All information discussed in this interview is for historical, educational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this information is intended for any illegal purposes, and all opinions are respected of the individual. So, Mr. Kimo, welcome to the show, and uh, you are with Shut Them Down Game Farms. Yes. And what, what, what I would like to do is, uh, you know, let the viewers know, obviously, like I just said a few minutes ago, Mr. Kiamo is the first Hawaiian to come on Journey to the Pit, um, and uh, he's been really looking for, I've been trying to get some, you know, that's one of, we have did interviews with people all over the world. But Hawaii was like the last holdout, you know, and I wanted to make sure when we brought a Hawaii on the show, it was going to be one that can definitely represent a Hawaii in a very, very good way. Tell us some deep history about it and how the life is of a game foul breeder on the island. So how we pretty much get started, Mr. Kimo, is we always start out with kind of, you know, you taking us to the beginning of your story. Are you a first generation cocker? How old were you when you got into game foul? Let's start off from there. Yeah, um, uh, first generation cocker. Uh, I got into, you know, roosters from my neighbor. They, okay. His dad was a old time Filipino cocker on Ireland, and uh, I used to go play over, you know, play at their house and uh, uh -huh. watch, watch them spar chickens, and it's kind of how I got started into. Uh, it's a, the love of the game fall, yeah? Exactly. Basically. So tell me this, uh, Mr. Kimo, how old were you at that time? Um, 
probably 10 years old, eight, eight or 10 years old. Eight or 10 uh, years old, huh? Wow, yeah. wow. So, so tell me this, uh, what island, because it seems like Hawaii is a, is, is a, a collection, a group of islands. I hear y'all say I'm on Correct. a big island, a small island. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, I'm from uh, the fifth largest island, uh, Molokai. Um, okay. Kind of in the center of the Hawaiian island chains, you know, the, the major islands anyway. Okay. Um, uh, kind of more like, um, I guess, uh, cultural, real small ohana type kind of island. Everybody knows everybody kind of thing, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So tell me something, Mr. Kimo. How do y'all guys travel within islands? Is it bridges or y'all take ferries? Uh, planes, commuter planes. You fly to each and, you know, fly to the next island. Some, you know, some people on their own boats, they travel by boat. But most of us fly um, the smaller commuter planes, you know. Wow, that yeah. is amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So each island is like its own little city. Yeah, basically, Oahu is like the main uh, gathering point, I guess, you know. That's where most of the people live. Uh, okay. We're, we're like right next to there, maybe 20-minute flight uh, by, by a small commuter plane. Uh-huh. So that's so, how we... Uh, so, so that's how y'all operate out there, huh? Yeah, basically. Wow. So tell me this. What island has the most amount of... Uh, game time breeders. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, there's a lot, <laughs> you know, Big Island, Oahu, Molokai. We're kind of small um, compared to the rest of the islands, but right, kind of, kind of, uh, I guess, kind of known for our uh, okay, the bloodlines we have here, you know, and people kind of sought after what we have, you know. Right, right. I have heard a lot of great things, a lot of great things from a lot of guys here in the States about the, and we'll get into this later on in the interview, but have heard a lot of great things about, you know, the way have y'all got the quality of the birds on the islands. And again, and that's why I asked you about yeah. the different islands, you know, but um, the, the birds in Hawaii, you know, as far as the care, the way y'all guys breed, and that's what I kind of want to do kind of get an understanding of it because you know y'all guys are known for having very high quality birds out there so we would like to know you know what kind of bloodlines y'all have how do y'all guys breed and that kind of stuff but before we get that far into the interview before mm -hmm. we get that far into the interview um let's still talk a little bit more about you you know you got into it you said you was about eight or ten years old uh when you first uh started to get into game foul with your next door neighbor right correct yes Yes, and, and and how did it progress from there? Um, uh, basically, later on, as I uh, graduated, and then um, basically uh, kind of watched a few fights on the islands and uh -huh. then kind of got more interested in, you know, want to compete and right. then um, basically getting roosters from whoever you know right Back right then when i started wasn't so much only a handful of uh people on this island had real good bloodlines and okay if you wasn't in a circle you know you, you basically ain't get you ain't getting any of those bloods you would have to go and try find your own so a lot of us you know 
did like most people did, you know, go find um, breeders from the, the, the states and right. try to make friends with them and acquire some of their good bloods, you know? And right, right. Basically. So tell me something. Do you remember the first uh, bloodline of birds you had? Uh, I mean, shoot, I had all type of, I tried everything. All kinds, Basically, huh? yeah. yeah. <laughs> At what one I call point time, I tried everything. Say, right, I always <laughs> say it's like, a, you know, when I first started out, it's like I had a yard full of Skittles. You know how many colors is in a Skittle candy, so... It's like you look out in my yard and I had some of this, some of that, some of this, some of that, all different colors, all different bloodlines and everything. Yeah. So that's pretty much how you started also. Same, same way, you know. Um when I first got into it is is more of a uh about the look of the rooster, you know. Oh, that's a pretty rooster or whatever, you know, handsome rooster. Uh right. Uh, I want I want one of those, you know. And then right. as you start competing and and uh progressing you understand i mean i understood that i needed right. like good quality bloodlines to compete with these guys you know right uh, it's not That's about right. how he look it's you know his abilities his gameness you know that that's just me anyway. That's what I did. Right. Well, that's what we talk. We talking to you. We want to hear your your yeah. thoughts. You know, we want to hear your thoughts. So tell me this. Um back then you know, back in the days when it was legal, you know, uh, what weapon did y'all guys use? Uh, well, it was never legal here. Uh, but uh, basically long knife. We, we fight all long knife here. Yeah. Okay. So, all long knife, huh? Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, so, so tell me this, you know, um, with it being long knife, you know, are the birds, you know, would y'all guys have the birds in Hawaii? I know, you know, y'all guys buy brood stock and stuff like that from the States for breeding purposes. And uh, but is it a way do y'all guys have a little different concept in breeding because y'all looking for a different body structure uh, with the birds there in Hawaii versus, say, stateside? Um, probably the biggest factor would be, I mean, for me, would be um, the style of fighting, you know, uh, mm -hmm. his abilities. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how I would breed certain type of roosters to uh, the ability or style I want, I want them to fight, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So you so, so as you start to get more active, you start to realize that you need to, you know, you need more quality versus just color and just looks. You needed things <laughs> that carry. You start to search for certain characteristics. Basically, right, right. instead of visual, right. you had to start looking for certain characteristics, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, um, for the type of style that we fight, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, like, like Gaff, you need real game roosters. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, over here, for me, I like to find the roosters that fight kind of more on outside style, you know, using their feet mm -hmm. a lot, you know, not mm -hmm. not trying to reach in with the, you know, um, biting and shuffling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that's kind of what the long knife you need, you know. People right. like birds that fly, you know, Hawaii especially, you know. Right. So I try to breed that type of roosters, yeah. Right. So, 
Right. So tell me this, like the body structure, you know, what type of like station? Are they medium station, tall station? Do they have long legs, you know, medium well, size? Um, here, they like the tall station roosters. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer medium high. It's, mm -hmm. you know, just my preference. But the, mm -hmm. um, most people here, the station is important, you know. And, okay. Um, uh, I prefer bigger roosters, but I notice here a lot of the derbies and stuff, a lot of medium, uh, you know, medium weight roosters, you know, there's a lot okay. of that type of birds. So, right. When you uh, say medium weight, what they between four and five uh, or, uh, high fives, medium fives kind of. So, okay. Uh, I notice a lot back, you know, for me, 10, 15 years ago, there was mm -hmm. a lot of big mm -hmm. roosters, you know, like high fives to six pound. But now it's kind of more, I know it's four, 10 to maybe five, five, one, five, two type of chickens, uh, roosters. Oh, so okay. Okay. It's so of, it's kind of a change over yeah. the last, till you said about 10 years, huh? Well, yeah, I've been, you know, fighting for a while. Then I kind of took a break for... Right. I like to say eight years, you know. Kind right. Of was out of the scene and came back to it again. And I guess maybe the type of bloodlines now, you know, the sweaters, right. more smaller right. chickens. I mean, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know too much about those bloods, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so tell me this, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, how it is, you know, to raise, you know, birds out there in that climate first tell us a little bit about the climate of hawaii y'all guys get four seasons y'all don't get four seasons how's the climate high humidity um, how's we, the climate out there we probably um we basically have two seasons wet and dry okay. season so uh humidity probably average daily mm -hmm. maybe 60 65 i would i would guess you know but okay we rarely get into the high 90s or anything, you know, so it's like 70. Oh. Like tropical. Yeah, basically, you know, right. comfortable weather, you know, with a lot of breeze. Where, where I'm at, a lot of, lot of wind. It's, it's, it's a lot of winds. Windy. Yeah, pretty windy. Like a uh, normal day would be like trades 20 miles an hour kind of thing. So that's right. one thing I deal with here, yeah. Like, so 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 tell me this, Mr. Kimo. Like, as far as the the layout there, is is that area really mountainous? Like, do y'all have guys there with large farms with you know five hundred birds because they got the space, or is it really mountainous? Or it depends on the island. Yeah, depends on the island. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I you know I don't really know too much about the different islands as far as um how big people's farms, but. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would assume, I mean, I would guess a couple hundred walks, you know, with, okay, uh, you know, that's probably one good size farm here, I guess, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so Mr. Kimo, tell me this, uh, on your island, like with your setup, do y'all guys, y'all do use the walks? Because I know like in yes. Puerto Rico, they use a lot of pins. So y'all guys also, y'all do use the walks. Do y'all use a lot of pins in, 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 in Hawaii? Yeah, we... we Probably, um, like for me, I got a couple hundred, no, about 100 pins and then uh, 100 walks, you know. And 
planning on expanding to another hundred or so walks. So, uh, okay, okay. So y'all got you got it. You got an amount. You got yes. some pins and some walks, right? Correct. Yeah. Most most guys they prefer to walk. I mean, I I prefer to walks if we can. You know. Right, right. And it kind of and I know in some places it depends also on the amount of space that you have. Sometimes you have to pin them if you got limited space, and if you got correct, the space, correct. yeah, you know, you can have the walks. So, yeah. so tell me that. So tell me this: with 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 the, what bloodlines do you have right now? Um, I have um, roundheads, uh, clarets, mm -hmm. um, some hatches. I just got some okay. blacks and trying them out, you know. But right, yeah, right. Basically, and some grays, not too much. You have some grays. Yeah, just try out a little different stuff. But I I had those um, roundheads and clarets for. I like say around 20 years probably. Wow. Yeah. You had them yeah. things a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I acquired it a while ago and kind of never I mean that's like my bread and butter kind of thing, yeah. That's your that's, so that's basically your foundation stock right there. It's kind of your, your go-to yeah. line. Okay, yeah. okay. So tell me, did you acquire that brood stock when you you know 20 years ago? Did you acquire that brood stock from Hawaii or was it from stateside? From, from the state side, yeah. From, uh, it was from state side? Okay, yeah. okay. From, from my um, my friend when he was up in California. And uh, I bought those um, basically Dan Gray stuff from, from him back in the days. And okay. As long as we, you know, I think we still get them pretty good from back then to now. Right. Well, they still looking good. They looking as good as they were, I guess, uh, from, from 20 years ago. Tell me this, you know, would you have them that long? Obviously, you've been breeding them yourself. Um, right. You know, uh, over that 20-year period, has you just been pretty much, you know, tossing them back and forth to maintain them, you know, for that over that 20-year period? Of, you have, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the way my friend got um, sent it to me and told me how to uh, breed it um, from... I guess when Dan set it, set it up for him, kind of told him that's the way to keep it um, so we can keep him. Keep it up. Yeah, well, we won't lose, you know, run into a lot of problems, yeah. So Right. So so, so Mr. Dan Gray kind of gave you all the formula or the system to use to maintain yes. it for, for years to come. Yes, and it's been working fine, you know. Wow. No, no complaints, wow. no complaints. No complaints, huh? So that's that's and you know, I don't know if you want to get too much into details, but you know, in that formula, did it consist of you know tightly inbreeding, some line breeding, you know? Um a little both. Well, yeah, well, he, he set it up to where we had certain families that we crossed back and forth to each other where um Got you. we shouldn't, you know, we we, we actually didn't inbreed, so he told us not to do that, you know, basically told, you know, to, you know, if you do that too often, then you kind of lose the good traits or whatever. Certain or the bad characteristics. Right, right. I completely understand. And I'm assuming, you know, he knew how to breed his birds. If he created them, he, uh-oh. All right, looks like he, uh, hold on one second, guys. It looked like maybe his reception is something. Uh, has conked out. Um, 
Yeah, give me a few seconds. We're going to see if we can bring Mr. Chemo back in. Here he comes. He's coming back in. Okay. Hold on one second, guys. All right, here you go. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Somebody called and shut off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody interrupted the whole team. Oh. Right. So so let's finish what we were saying. So uh, Mr. Dan Gray kind of gave y'all guys a formula, and he gave, I guess, y'all guys a seed stock of a couple different families to keep y'all guys going, correct? Yes, basically. Yeah. And, so, and you know, it seemed to, I mean, it worked, apparently, you it know. It worked. Yeah. Right. And, right. So, you know, no, go ahead. No, so the additional birds you have in your yard, you just brought them in, kind of experimenting, you know, because we all know birds change over time. Competition change yeah. over the time. You know, birds need to have different characteristics over time. So you just bring in a few other families. You always kind of doing some research and development, I guess you can say. Always just trying to try out and see, you know, what you what 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 you can continue to create to keep up with the times, huh? Well, I mean, lucky I get some real good friends that have access to good blood, and then they would always we would always keep in touch, and they'd always you know they would say, "Hey, I think you should try somebody." Else. You know, right. they would send 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 some over, and we go ahead and experiment and see what happens. Yeah, but right, we stick to the foundation. Yeah. Always uh, not going too far, not deviating too far from what. Right. But you always got to, like you said, always trying to improve, yeah? You got to basically count on your your opponents to try to improve too themselves, right? That's exactly right. That that's No, that's exactly right. And that's the point I was trying, trying to make also too because I know you know, again, birds change the, the demand or the, or the demand or the characteristics change over time. And you yeah. got to keep evolving, you know, and what worked 20 years ago, those characteristics might not work now. You know, birds get faster and different style. They get more intelligent. Correct. And your yeah. opponent is always trying to find that key denominator to get him ahead of the pack. So right. If, right. if you want to keep up, you got to do the same thing. And And one of the keys is your 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 bloodlines, your birds, right? You know, mm-hmm. you gotta have mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, can that they can compete at that high level? You know what I mean? Right. That's exactly right. So so tell me something, Mr. Chemo. So you know, with the weather, we had a question. You know, uh, they asked one of the, one of the um, viewers, Ricky, asked, uh, "What does?" He do okay. It says here, I put the question on the screen. I don't know if you can read it, but is I guess what does he do for the feathers with that much wind on the walks? So basically, I guess with it being really windy out there, do y'all guys have issues with feathers? Uh, I do. I, I mean, I I still trying to figure out that 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 uh, answer to that question. You know, um, it's still a challenge, huh? Yeah, it tends to uh, like I get a lot of. By March, I'm um, no by May. I usually get a lot of birds with wind burns, and they tend to molt earlier. I guess the the wind is drying up the feathers quicker than other places, you know, with, with right. less wind. Because uh, we kind of on a dry side of the island, kind of. So okay, yeah, we don't we we get some rain. I mean, 
we've been having a lot of rain lately, but normally mm-hmm. we don't have as much as the you know the windward side or the east side, you know. Mm-hmm. So depends so, where so you tell live me in. It just depends and, and, on where you live in, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, so tell me something. You know, is it something like what are you doing now, or what have you been doing to kind of deal with it as best as possible? Is it something you feed them? Is it something you put on the feathers? You know. Um. Actually, I, I try to incorporate like putting more wind breaks and a little bit more sh- plant more trees, kind of. I see to some break that up wind, there. huh? Yeah, the wind and, and and the sun. I think you know mm-hmm. does that that combination does a lot of damage to my roosters and the feathers anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I tried, you know, what they they say, uh, add uh, vinegar in your water when they molting, and I tried mm-hmm. a lot of different things, and to me, it doesn't seem to work. You know. But right. I've seen some other people with they did planted trees and the birds look you know much nicer than mines in you know because of right. I, I just assuming I thinking that's what it is you know a lot more shade less wind the birds tend to uh, right look so much you, better hold the feathers right. longer yeah right yeah. Right. Okay. So that's just some of the things you've been dealing with. You know, I mean, some of the things you've been trying to plant more trees to kind of break that wind, give them yeah. some more shade. And and since you've been doing that, have you have you seen an improvement in the looks of the birds over time? Since well, since yeah. you've been trying that stuff, I can see that certain areas of the farm with uh, a lot more shade, the birds tend to hold their mm-hmm. feathers. I mean, doesn't look as work, um, bad as the other birds without the shade. You know. Got so, you. I, I Got you. So you guess you do see a difference. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So so tell me, uh, you like you got you, you got have you it's like you say you got about a hundred and pins, a hundred on the walks. You know, let's yeah. just talk a little bit about um one, you do your own breeding, right? Correct. You do your own breeding. Um, do you got do you use incubators versus natural hatch or you incubators. do use incubators? Yeah, I, I use both, but a few natural hatch. Uh, incubators um, for me uh, much easier. I can deal with on a bunch of chicks at one time instead of hence, uh, setting at different times and hatching at different times, you know. Right. So I can easily do whatever vaccination and, you know, keep track of everybody's age, you know. This right. batch is whatever, right. one month old, the next hatching, a week behind. So right. easier for me. I just it's easier, yeah. A lot more yeah. easier to control the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for yeah, for kind of a small operation and you know, me and my son basically take care of right. uh, that's our daily job, you know, basically. That's our right. job more more or less. <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, I understand. So tell me this, with with being on an island, um, do y'all guys deal with any natural predators? You know. Because, you know, in the States, they deal with all kinds of stuff. But how about in uh, Hawaii? Probably the biggest problem is neighbor's dogs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of strays running around Hawaii. Uh, huh? Well, uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> the neighbor's dogs. <laughs> and mongoose. We have, we have mongoose, like, 
I, I don't know what would be compared to up there. Uh, they they like to steal the eggs and uh, uh, kill a, you know the young chicks if they can get into the pen, you know. But right. The dogs do way more damage than any other thing, you know. Like they can come in so here. It's like dogs. Yeah, to wipe out you. No, I know. Believe me, I have some friends in Hawaii. And it seems like every time you turn around, somebody's posting a picture of a of a of a stray dog, or at least I I call it stray because the neighbor ain't got control of it. So it's like yeah. a dog run loose and run through the yard and kill 20, 30 birds, and they got a pile yeah. there, and the dog is running down the street somewhere. Yeah, and then you know, uh, if if you don't take care of that problem, they'll be back again. You know. They'll be so, back again. That's exactly they'll right. They'll be yeah. back again. So, so tell me this. Um, do, so, do y'all guys? Do you do you vaccinate for anything on the island? Yeah, I, I vaccinate for. Um, basically, my biggest problem probably is pox and then, uh, what you call that? Um, I do a little Coriza vaccine because. Mm -hmm. Basically, if you get them, it always tend to pop up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just better be better off to be safe and just safe for this. Yeah, safe than sorry. Got yeah. you, got you, and got you. You know, like them. I mean, I I think you you don't want them um, uh, battling. You know, like having a bout with those kind of disease, and then your chicken's not. You know, your chick's not healthy, so you won't have mm -hmm. strong, healthy roosters. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, like them. I, I just, I just don't want them, like getting sick in that stages. Yeah, you know, coxy, right. But you know, that's probably one of the biggest problems. Okay. You know, by, by uh, watching other other uh, breeders and their mm -hmm. methods. You know, I, I learned mm -hmm. a lot. You know, uh, basically, uh, just prevention. Just keep giving them. The things they need before the things pop up, kind of. That's exactly right. No, no, and I totally understand that. So, you know, your whole goal is, is to keep them as healthy as possible from the time they hatch all the way to showtime. You know, you want to try to Correct. prevent them from ever getting sick if you can do it. So that's Correct. the whole goal yes. of the program. Right, right. I mean, I think that's what? basically everybody's goal, you know, whoever right. breeds and raise roosters, right? Keep them healthy, as, as right. healthy as you can. That's healthy. I mean, that's that's all my whole deal. And that's why the program is called 362, because I tell them if those first 362 day, two days ain't right. Them last three don't even matter. If you ain't did what you had to do during them first 362 days, you can just cancel them last three. It ain't nothing but gambling. You know, it's just like you, just, you don't know what's going on, you know, and, and it go, keeps going back. Like I said, just go back to the same thing. 362. Put that time, put that effort in there because that's where your percentage is, is going to be made during that time frame. It ain't made in them last right. three. It's made in those right. first 362 days. So um, so tell me this, you know, um, as far as, you know, like your birds and pens in Hawaii, you know, during a rainy season, you know, what size are your pens and do y'all guys keep bedding? Do you keep bedding in the pens? Uh, no, I don't keep bedding, but uh, I try to keep them moving, rotating mm -hmm. on fresh ground mm -hmm. as, as much as possible. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, when the rainy season comes, yeah, you got to deal with a lot of, uh, you know, basically the mud just uh, rain and puddling in your pens and, right. you know, 
Yeah, so right. try to move them about and try to keep them as so they don't they don't have to deal with that, you know. Exactly. But that's why exactly. that's why the walks the walks I think is the best, you know. You can right. get uh you know, you get a big enough yard where you can keep them on walks, that's the best part. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that yeah, I got I, I and then not only that, you know, I was looking at a calculation from a guy who did the calculation of square footage on a wall. The amount of square right. footage that a bird gets on a wall as far as space, you know, you'll have to build a pen, you know, ten by yeah. ten to actually kind of give them the space that they get when they on a wall. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. you know, when I looked at that calculation, it made so much sense. I'm like, wow, he like he did a walk. And did the calculation of the square footage in that walk, and I'm like, wow, that's like right. having a bird inside of a ten by ten pen. That's how Correct. big it is. Yeah, if I mean, I use um six foot walk, so that's twelve foot radius, kind of. Yeah, that's that's a lot right. of space, you know. That's a so, lot of space, exactly. But exactly. like usually, my pens, I only keep my uh use them when I catch my stags and then raise mm -hmm. them for a few months. So as soon as I can mm -hmm. get them on a walk, I get them on a walk, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. So the right. pen is basically one only for a few months, maybe, maybe three to right. four months at the most, you know, then try to get I them guess on the, a walk it, as it, fast as possible. Right. I guess for them spurs to kind of get hard enough to take that. Right. Right. And better for them right. to be on a walk and develop better, you know? They, yes. they can basically almost free ranging, almost you right, know, right, simulating anyway, closest to simulating them to free range as possible, yeah, ranging, yeah, yeah, right. So, so tell me this, Mr. Kimo, um, what is the selection? What is like the feed selection that you have on an island? Do y'all have a pretty good selection of good quality feed on an island? Not really. Uh, no, you know, yeah, we, we basically have one feed store on, on my island. Maybe the other islands they they get better selection, but our island we have one feed store and kind of at the mercy of whatever they bring in. You know, we get the basics, wow. the, the pellets, the the scratch, and you know, right. some some uh, game you know like um, gamecock mix, but right, it, you know, the, the cost of the feed is. Pretty expensive here, so kind of like know. Puerto Rico, I guess. I guess you know, because I know, I mean, like, like in Puerto Rico, a bag of like Showtime is like twenty five, twenty six dollars for a bag of feed. Twenty five, twenty six dollars for a bag of feed. Yeah, that's around what we pay. Yeah, right around. Okay. There. Yeah, around that same price. That's, yeah, that's your yeah. basic. Uh, what well, we call them caliente here. They, that's what they say. Uh, sell here, so right it's around there, and right, you know, uh, versus in the states, you can get you know sacks of feed for dirt cheap. You know, I always see them, right, you know, posting about how much they're sacks of feed, and I'm like, damn, I wish we could get some of that. You know, <laughs> you said you can't, I, you can't get it to your island, huh? Oh, I mean, we can, but the, the cost of shipping is crazy. So, oh, the, right. So yeah. I, I guess it seems like over there, you know, some 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 guys, depending on what island they located on, got an advantage because they got access to better feed, huh? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I can see the feed quality and, 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 you know, different selection of feed. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we still, you know, 
our feed store they, they help as much as can. If you want to order, it just come. It costs right. a lot more, you know. It cannot be helped, I guess. Mm -hmm. So basically, they ship to Oahu, which is you know, another island from us, and then we gotta ship it again to our island. So that's where all our expenses, you know, add up. Yeah? Uh, well, they add to the right. Piece. That's what it costs. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is what it is. Right. So y'all just make the best out of what y'all got to deal with. I mean, yeah. I mean, I try to do whatever I can. You know, you know, whatever mm -hmm. uh, season. You know, mangoes. Uh, I, I grow papayas and I feed whatever actually give to the birds, the, the chicks, whatever, you know, try to help as much as. Right. Can. So you just try to as much as you can. So, you you know, you'll incorporate some native fruits and stuff like that. And you'll just add that to the feed based yeah. on what's available at the time. Correct. Yeah. You know. And, OK, you know, it so. Um, it seems to be doing OK. <laughs> right. No well, you know, again, you know, I always. I always say a lot of times too, you know, if your competitors are are in the same situation as you, then if the playing field is even. You know, if everybody only eating yeah. bread and water, then if everybody's eating bread and water, the playing field is even. We all eating bread Correct. and water, so now Correct. the advantage has to come from somewhere else because it ain't gonna come from the bread and water because we all eating that. Right. So you better have some quality roosters if you plan on competing. So it's. It's all about genetics, huh? So basically there, with y'all guys, the limited situation y'all have, y'all basically totally reliant on uh, health and genetics, basically. Well, yeah, that's uh, speaking for me. Uh, that's what I, I do, yeah? That's what right. I try to accomplish anyway. It, right. Um, by the right. way, I'm, I'm down to like 5%. I might get cut off. So. Oh, you are? Oh, well, you know what? <laughs> I think I give you the heads up before <laughs> oh, it shuts God. off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. listen, uh, Mr. Kimo, we want to bring you back on the show. Um, now that you know how it is, you know, you know sure. how it is. You know, you got to have your phone fully charged and stuff like that. So you know how the yeah. show is. Hey, well, this listen. We um, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> We try to prolong. We try to prolong us coming on the air to give you right. some more time. I, I but I know how it, it is. Work. It didn't work. And it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, guys are messaging me at nine o'clock saying, "Where's the interview? Why is the interview now?" I'm saying, "Listen, we're giving him like fifteen more minutes so we can, you know, he can charge his phone." So, um, yeah. and I know this interview kind of drains your battery a lot. So, yeah, quick. Uh, but Quicker listen, than I thought it would. <laughs> Right. And, but, you know, we still been on for 40 minutes. It don't even seem like it, but we've been on for 40 minutes. So it's not All like right. it was a 10 minute interview. Um, but, Ms. Kimo, please, I would like for you to come back on the show. You know, um, I'd like to get you back on the schedule so we can redo this. Uh, you know how it is now. So you done already broke the ice. Um, and then, you know, we can come back on the show and finish the story. It was a pleasure having you on. And like I said, you were the first Hawaiian. A lot of guys are anticipating this interview because, you know, and there's a lot more stuff we want to know. I know right now we don't have you don't have the, the video capacity uh, to, yes. I mean the battery capacity sorry. to do it. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's no worries. There's no worries. You just give us another opportunity to have you back on the show. So I'll reach out to you so we can go ahead and reschedule. Um, and again, I, I appreciate you coming on and accepting the invite to come on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And like I said, it's been a minute. I've been wanting to get somebody from Hawaii on the show to kind of give us some insight 
of, you know, how life is of raising birds out there on an island and that type of climate and that kind of stuff. I think, you know, it, it's a lot that we can learn because there's different areas in the United States that kind of deal with kind of the same thing, at least certain times of the year, not all year, but certain times of the year. And I think we can learn a lot from your guys being in areas with a lot of rain, high humidity, high winds. Those are all lessons that we can learn, you know, and, and apply to our situations back here uh, in the States. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring somebody on from Hawaii, because y'all guys deal with a lot of stuff longer throughout the year than a lot of people back here on the mainland. So, um, uh, but like I say, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm going to reach out to you. We'll get you back on a calendar to come back on. Um, and again, I guess what y'all say, aloha, huh? Is that how y'all do that? Aloha? Aloha. <laughs> yeah. Aloha, man. <laughs> well, mahalo, listen, Mr. Kimo, mahalo. <laughs> mahalo, mahalo. Okay, mahalo. <laughs> well, listen, man, like I said, I'm looking forward to coming out to Hawaii to visit y'all guys out there. Hopefully, we can I can make that happen this year. But until then, we'll we, uh, again, you know, thank you very much for coming on to the show. I'll be reaching out to you to get you back on the show again um, at a later date. Um, sure. Right. At, hopefully right after these interviews that we have running, we can come on back onto the show and get more in depth. You could tell us a lot more about your story. So, again, Maloha. Is that Aloha. how it is? Maloha. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> well, Aloha. You have a great night and a great evening. And again, I appreciate you coming on to the show tonight. Stay focused, stay positive, stay blessed, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Aloha. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, guys. Listen, I'm sorry the interview um, was short um, again, but it gives us the opportunity to have him come back on. You know, he kind of got in depth a little bit about how things were. Uh, he's one of the first Hawaiians that have ever been on a show. Won't be the last. I promise he won't be the last. Um, and, and I hope y'all guys uh, seen how all those different islands, they deal with different terrains and stuff like that and have access to different foods. And um, I think that's that's more that's another reason I want to bring some more Hawaiians, because I would like to know how life is on other parts of the island. Like you say, you kind of live in a more drier part, you know, and I would like to know, you know, guys who's living in the more part that get a lot more rain. Um, and then have access to different types of feed and stuff like that. I, I guess it would be a challenge. It's kind of like they all live in their own little nation, you know, with different climate, uh, access to different feeds and all that kind of stuff. So I think the challenge is, is probably different depending on what island you stay on. So I think that's very uh, interesting. Um, so, again, we'll have him on at a later date. Um, Y'all guys know we have tomorrow and we're going to keep running this marathon, 10 interviews in a row. Back to back to back to back to back. Today, it looks like I've been interviewing for three hours, two hours with uh, Sindel Robinson from Boneyard Farms. We did that a little while ago. And then we brought Mr. Kimo on here from Shut Em Down Farms in Hawaii. Um, sorry, you know, the interview couldn't go longer, but we'll have him back on. Um, but again, we're definitely looking to have more Hawaiians on because, again, all those different islands look like they're dealing with multiple different situations. And we would like to hear from all of them. Tomorrow, our special guest tomorrow, a lot of y'all guys know him, Mr. James Sylvester. Mr. James Sylvester from Sylvester Game Files. Um, he will be on tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Y'all guys know Mr. Sylvester. Very tough. Been in the game a long time. One of those old school, hard knock cockers. Bred some extremely good birds back in the day. One of the toughest entries back in the day. And, you know, was tough all the way until it became illegal. 
here on the mainland, but he's still keeping the same breeding program, still focusing on those characteristics that made him famous. He'll be on the show tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, same place, same time, and uh, I look forward to seeing y'all guys tomorrow. Again, do me a favor, share this video, share all the Journey to the Pit uh, interviews, because again, the more people we can help, the better it is for the sport, not just on an individual basis, but the more we can educate game fowl breeders, the more information they have, the better educated they are, the better fowl they can create, the better program they create. So that makes the fowl better for the next generation. So again, we all must do our part in doing everything that we can to ensure that these birds get better generation after generation. How do we do that? We do that through education. So if y'all guys want to help me out, please share the video like the page. Uh, it will be also uploaded to YouTube and I will also upload it to the podcast. Journey to the Pit 362 University is on YouTube channel. I did a live stream on it last night. Go over and check it out. And then Journey to the Pit 362 on your podcast. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on Anchor. There's a whole bunch of different uh, platforms you can get the uh, podcast on. Um, so again, I did my part. I asked y'all guys to do y'all part. Share the interview. Share the video. Thank the guests for coming on. And uh oh, excuse me. And I'll talk to y'all guys tomorrow. James Sylvester coming on tomorrow. Same place, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, again, hope to see y'all there. Y'all have a good night.